From Post Media, I'm Ewan Plater, and this is XY, a show about mental health and men. Welcome back. This week we'll be sitting down with Oscar-winning director Orlando von Einsiedel. Today's episode is one that I was so excited to get into. Orlando is someone whose work really does speak for itself, with his two biggest projects being Varunga and The White Helmets, both documentaries, I might add, if you've not seen, are definitely worth a watch. That said, in my interview with Orlando today, I wanted to speak with him regarding a more recent project titled Evelyn, which was named after his brother who tragically committed suicide many years ago. The documentary is, in no uncertain terms, one of the hardest and most emotional watches of my life, not just because of the subject matter, but because of its honesty. The film follows Orlando and his family as they walk around the UK's countryside and unpack the baggage they have surrounding the suicide of Evelyn. To be totally honest, I was super nervous to meet Orlando. I felt like I was walking into his office to ask him about something so personal and harrowing that I wasn't really in a place to do so as a stranger. But as you'll hear, Orlando was so open with me and I left with a real sense of admiration for the guy. Not just because of his warm nature, but because of his candour and honesty about the entire ordeal. As always, today's episode is not to be taken as advice. This is just a conversation between two people and should be treated as such. If you are looking for some support, I've left the details of some really great resources in the show notes including those of Time to Change, the mental health anti-stigma movement with whom I have partnered for the first series of XY. More specifically, I wanted to draw attention to their Ask Twice campaign. Sometimes we say we're fine when we're really not. To find out how our loved ones are doing, their campaign urges us to ask twice. A simple, are you sure you're okay, can make all the difference. Okay, that's enough out of me. Let's get on with the show. Okay, cool. Could I just get you to say anything into the mic just so I can see if there's a level coming One, through? One, two, three, four, five. Okay, fantastic. Right, so um, just to kick off then, I wanted to, in a bit of a nutshell, could you give me a bit of a background on how you got here um, working film today? How did you start out um, and what is what has your career so far looked like? Sure. So I have a very strange route into the film world. I, once upon a time... I was a professional snowboarder. I saw this. And um, I, the, way, the way you get paid as a snowboarder is you get sponsored by a, a, a clothing company or a snowboard company, and then they give you a little bit of money to travel. And so, you, you know, so you're, you're doing competitions and photographs, but then you get a bit of extra money every time you're in a magazine or a video. And what that, funnily enough, does is it okay. creates this incentive for you and your friends to all learn how to take pictures of each other and film each other yeah. so that you can get an extra 50 quid. <laughs> Um, and, um, I learned through that, I learned how to take photographs. I learned how to film. And uh, one day I, I realized that I almost preferred the filmmaking side of snowboarding to the actual act of snowboarding. Yeah. And, but I always knew I wanted to make films about things that I cared about. Yeah. And so that, that sort of segued into, into documentaries eventually. And I think this is it for me. Um, Everything that I've seen that you've created really does revolve around the plight of a person or persons. And was that always a guiding um, motif for you in terms of helping your fellow man or documenting the story of your fellow man? It just seems to really resonate with you as a creative. Do, do you know, um, the answer is sort of yes and no. So when I when I began to make documentaries, I... I um, the, the first ones I made were, were more sort of journalistic investigations. Yeah. And, you know, you'd find some sort of terrible injustice happening somewhere in the world. You'd go and you'd explore that and investigate it and try to bring somebody to account. Um, and they were very difficult, often very depressing films to make. And it, But it, while making those, um, we'd often come across really 
incredible people <laughs> whose story, you know, they, they, they weren't the focus of our story necessarily, but and yeah. I always thought, well, I'd really be, I'd like to be making a film about your story and I'd never read your story in the newspaper back home. You know, when I, when I read about Afghanistan, it's all death and destruction. Um, and one day, um, I learned about a skateboard school in Afghanistan Yeah, and it sort of brought together my past of skateboarding and snowboarding. And, and also it was this positive story. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't about death and destruction. It was all about little kids learning, getting an education, learning to skateboard and sort of beaming full of hope and, um, unity. And, and so I went out and made that on very little money. Um, and we put it on, on Vimeo and it, it went, viral so you just put it out there we just put we put it out i mean it, there was a there was a small release with dazed and confused magazine who we, who we made it with yeah. um but we it, it it went it sort of went viral on its own because it didn't have money for advertising yeah. and and it, it was like a light bulb went off in my head thinking there's other other people want these types of stories too yeah and that that actually became the guiding light for a lot of i guess for the next 10 years of, of my career it was trying to tell the stories of people that inspire me that make yeah. me want to be a better person now it happens that those are often in places where there are real difficulties happening. But but the guiding principle was 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 incredible people. That's a pretty beautiful way to spend your day as well. Because, yeah, what you said is it's not actually about... The focus of the creation is not the plight of somebody suffering. It's actually the inspirational light that exists in amongst the turmoil. Which pretty special way to spend your day is studying that kind of um that kind of content uh, i i feel i mean every every day we're making those sorts of films i feel very lucky and um and i, I don't take it for granted and and actually it it's um it it's it renews your faith in humanity every time we go and make one of these films yeah that you know you, it's so easy to, the moment especially with all the news around the world there's just so much bad stuff happening you're bombarded with it and then you we get to go and we make these films about people that are just, you know, whose lives are infinitely more difficult than, than yeah. mine and, 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 you know, virtually everyone I know. And, um, and yet they are, they just represent the best of what human beings can do. And, and, and I find that, um, that's yeah, really inspiring. Well, yeah. And I, I definitely walked away from Virunga and the white helmets, not feeling depressed about the situations in which they reside, but actually quite inspired by the people behind it. So I guess that, um, that, that is the takeaway. Um, from all of that um that's like a really positive positive perspective uh to have on what you do and on the stories that you tell one of the things that i kept coming back to when i was getting ready for this interview was um the osmosis of the environments um that you're in for you and your mental health how do you walk into these situations albeit with a view to studying the beauty of humanity um how do you walk away from those as unscarred as possible? Because it's a lot to deal with. Um, watching them for 90 minutes, never mind living in the East Congo for two years. I am, um, I mean, it's an interesting, if you'd have asked me two years ago, I probably would have given you a very different answer. I, I, I used to think I probably handled it all really well <laughs> and, um, and just sort of buried it inside and concentrated on making the film and didn't get involved too much in getting upset because that would kind of get in the way of making the film. Yeah. Um, I, I, I now realize that was probably a really unhealthy thing to be doing. And, um, and, and that's come from making Evelyn actually and, yeah. and understanding a bit more about myself and how I've tended to handle difficult situations in my own life. Yeah. Me and Joanna Natsugawa, my producer, we, we'd just released our last our, our film before evening, which was a film called The White Helmets, which is about rescue workers 
in Syria and we launched it at this film festival and um, we were talking about what we were going to do next. And I was pitching to her a series of projects, which frankly were very similar to Varunka and the White Helmets. They were about people in difficult situations, kind of overcoming them and, and, and fighting for what they believed was right. And to me, it seemed out of the blue. She said, um, would you ever consider making a film about your, your family? And, um, and I knew what she meant by that. She meant really a film about your brother. And I, I was, I was completely taken aback because in the seven or eight years that I've known Joanna, I'd never, ever had a conversation with her about Evelyn. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't surprised that she knew because she'd probably heard from somebody, yeah. but uh, I was amazed that she'd asked me. <laughs> and actually I was, I was kind of, I was angry. Um, at her asking the question. Uh, yeah, I, I, you yeah. know, I was, I was thinking how we've never had this conversation. How dare you can think yeah. that I'd even make, I'd make a film about it. Like, what, what, where are you going with this? Like, and I shut the conversation down immediately. Even just hearing you talk about it actually <laughs> makes me feel quite anxious. Um, yeah. I can imagine the situation of you sitting there. So, but from Joanna's perspective, it wasn't, it wasn't an out of the blue question. When we, when we were making White Helmet, she'd noticed something. She's, she's incredibly perceptive. Um, she'd noticed that after a difficult day of filming really difficult things, a lot of the crew, everyone would, would cry and um, at the end of the day and talk about it. And, and she just said, I, I, I never saw you ever do that. I never really saw you talk about what we'd all experienced that day. Uh-huh. And, and I think she felt there was, a, there was this clear kind of blockage and in me in some way and uh, you know put two and two together and thought maybe it's something to do with with what happened 13 years ago um so um so anyway so I shut I shut this conversation down and and then and then I started to interpret why I'd got so angry that she'd even asked yeah and I thought that that's not right she's just asking I shouldn't be angry with her and then bizarrely on the on that day that she asked and there's no way she could have known it was also the anniversary of Evelyn's death um and it's it just deputy, isn't it? it well precisely yeah. and it just kind of suddenly felt actually maybe maybe we should have the conversation at least yeah and then the more we talked about it i started to feel actually this could be a really good thing and um i mean the, the funny thing is i thought there's no way my family would ever agree to it so actually it's it's kind of a safe we'll have a conversation it was all, this, yeah yeah this you never really the, actually happen. yeah you can go through the process of saying to yourself that you've tried to go through it but actually you'll never need to step in front of a fucking exactly. camera so. <laughs> exactly uh and then yeah but bizarrely enough a year later <laughs> we were there they said, there was yes, a camera rolling shit. oh my yeah. god what am i doing <laughs> um I guess one of the things that I picked out from what you just said there is that that um that like anger response you had when um Joanna first brought up making the film um and then you went away and thought about it for me that comes from um that vulnerability that a lot of us don't want to dig into and a real common theme throughout the entire making of this podcast has been that men in particular suffer from um, a lack of ability to be vulnerable um, in the public space. Specifically with you, why do you think vulnerability is so hard for, for guys? Well, if I, if I talk from my personal point of view, I think, I think there was really two, two things that sort of blocked me. The, the first, it was, I guess, and, and, and this definitely comes back to a fear of being vulnerable. I, I, but it also comes from a, a sort of ignorance of how emotions work and yeah. maybe how grief works. I, I thought that if, if I even have a conversation about Evelyn and what happened, 
that will trigger some enormous waterfall yeah. of emotion that I don't know if I can then sh- shut off again. Yeah. So that, that sort of terrified me to even go there with a conversation. Yeah. But then and I suppose this is almost a more pervasive one is, and it, it, I, f- I find it really strange to talk about now because it, I, I think about, even when we were making the film, I think about who I thought I was and I th- yeah. thought I was a modern man with modern ideas about emotions. But when I actually came to it, I, re- I really deeply harbored all these ideas about showing emotion in public as, as, as weak. Yeah. And that, that, and you know, and that's, that was a block to talk yeah. about this stuff. I, I was, I was scared to do that. And that to me yeah. now seems ridiculous. Well, this is it. And it comes up in the film at one point, and it's the only time in the film I sensed even a hint of defensiveness where, um, you're having this conversation with one of Evelyn's close friends and you say to him, I don't care if you think I'm weak. Like you, you actually do have this moment where you almost, that looks like at least in the film is the point of realization in your life where you're like, okay, so maybe actually, despite not intentionally being this machismo alpha male, I do have, um, some baggage when it comes to this uh, topic. A hundred percent. I mean, that, that conversation in, in many ways changed, like radically changed how I think about, so much yeah. you know i think everyone needs someone like leon in their lives who will gently push and push and push in a in a way to i think make you realize things that you it makes you go to somewhere where you don't really want to go to but yeah. he's actually doing it in a in a because he knows that you need to go there and what i really loved about that scene is not only was it um real in the sense that you actually do have this real human interaction with another human being and you're emotions develop in the course of those 10 minutes but leon in a lot of ways embodies the polar opposite um of what you expect vulnerability to look like he is this he the dude's jacked like he's this like big strong guy I and mean, he's the one talking to you about um the importance of it and i just thought it was a really beautiful interaction um and a really beautiful scene in the movie in terms of breaking down um those barriers i guess Outside of just vulnerability as an individual topic, why um, why does the media, or what role does the male image play in the media today for you? Well, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, I, I would say there's definitely a change now. Yeah. You know, people are talking about this. I think a lot of people understand, even if they maybe haven't gone through that process themselves to yeah. really believe it, but they understand that it's, not necessarily a sign of weakness to talk yeah. about emotions. In fact, it's actually a sign of strength because it's in reality, it's, it's proven to yourself that you can talk about whatever and you're okay with it. So it's totally. not, it's the op, it's the polar opposite of, of weakness, of, of weakness. So I, I think there is a change. Um, but, uh, but you know, these, these things take long, a long time change. I mean, you know, we all grew up on action movies. Well, this was people of art. My I'm, I'm 38. So I, you know, I grew up on real men are tough. They're Arnold Schwarzenegger. They are yeah, completely, they don't cry. They, you know, it's whatever what they do. flex their muscles and, yeah. you know, puff the chest out and carry on. Um, well, so it, it will take a long time. Uh, but I, I, I like to think that the younger generation are much better at, at, at doing this stuff. Yeah. And, and actually from showing the film to younger people seem so much more, in tune with it i don't think they find the film challenging in a way that people older than me you know we've we've had quite strong responses from people in their sort of 60s and 70s who think who 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 just who really don't get it and they're like well why why do i need to see 
a load of people being emotional, a load of men being emotional. I, that makes me feel so uncomfortable. I'm, you know, I don't, I don't like this film. I can't, I can't yeah. deal with it. Which has been fascinating, whereas young people, have no one's ever said anything like that. Yeah, I guess you don't know what you don't know and you can't feel what you don't feel. So, I, yeah, I find that really bizarre. I'm not going to call myself a young man, but, um, yeah, I find that really bizarre that somebody would feel almost angry at the film, that I don't want to feel this, I don't want to... It's kind of like the response to that Gillette advert, you know, where um, being made to feel awkward about yourself feels like a, um, a personal attack. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I did want to ask was, who's the subject of evil in the movie? Like, what's it? Who's it about? So, <laughs> that's a good question. Yeah, like uh, I've discussed it so much with my wife. I would, well, if you'd have asked me just before we started, I would have said it's it's sort of an equal split between me, my brother, and my sister, mm. and and then Evelyn as well. Um, in making the film, it, it it became so painfully obvious in some ways that I guess I was the, I was the central subject because I had the biggest emotional journey to go through. Yeah, in in some ways. So I think if I look at it now, I think actually I'm I'm probably this in filmic terms at least i'm the yeah. subject I, I i don't think that emotionally you know um but but in, in filmic terms yes i i would be the, the the key subject and actually it was in some ways it was it was the crew it was joanna it was everyone else <laughs> forcing me to realize that to even though that. i was pushing against it so much well yeah i bet because it felt so uncomfortable to to admit that well when the credits roll and it uh, and it says you, you directed it obviously and you created it um that was basically the um, conversation that I was having at home was, I think this film's about Orlando, but I don't think Orlando made a movie about himself. You know, I feel like that came out in the wash of the whole process versus you setting out to, but I wanted to ask you that question because I wasn't sure if that was, yeah. No, just... you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, funny enough, the first version of the film that we edited wasn't that version. The first version of the film was very much an equal split between... Yeah me Gwenny and Robin and and it, it just it didn't work it didn't gel it didn't it didn't go there yeah, yeah. and um, and so we kind of tore that to pieces and and rebuilt it and for you as an individual um and the reason I keep saying for you as an individual is there's actually quite a lot of facets to the movie and so far as you guys could have just gone on a walk you know you didn't need to make a movie about it if it was just about you which makes me feel like there was a philanthropic um element to it where you wanted to create something that would be good for other families going through similar stuff or other young men that um felt depressed or or suicidal um is that the case well the the all of the films that me and joanna work on together that that is there has to be a social issue that we deeply care about yeah. but that we also want to use put our film at the service of that of that issue and use the film to to try and change the needle in, in, in some way. So, so that, from our perspective, that is very much was a driving motivation. F- funny enough, when it came to m- my sister and, and my wider family, they only really want, were up for doing a film because they knew that that's how we worked. And, yeah. you know, I remember my sister saying very clearly, she said this to Joanna as well. She said, I- I'm only interested in doing this. If I'm only interested in sharing our pain and our story if it can potentially help other people. I've, I have no interest in being in a film otherwise. We can all go on a walk yeah. and talk about this because we need to. Yeah. But if the cameras are going to be there, that, that's the only way I'm going to be involved. And, and that's great for society. But you personally, did you have a um, desired output of the, the film slash the walk? 
was there a goal for you as an individual where you said to yourself, I want to feel X way by the end of this? That's a really good question. I, I, I think, um, I think I went into this, you know, I went into this naively in lots of different aspects, but I, I had a very simplistic idea about grief, I think. Yeah. Um, and I thought we'll go on this walk. It will be re- We'll talk <laughs> about things we never talked about. We'll all come out wonderful and change at the end and it'll all be happily ever after. Um, and, um, now the film the, doing the walk uh, has massively changed me. It's, it, it, you know, I, I don't say it lightly. It's, it's changed my life in many different ways. That's amazing. Um, but not in the way that I maybe expected it to. Okay. And, and grief is so much more complicated than I, than I thought it would be. And it's, it's, it's so much, it's not, it's not linear. It's not quite mm-hmm. as simple as you talk, you're better, you move on it. Yeah. it you know, it, it actually, and there's one thing I, I came away with is, is it, it, it never goes away it, it, when somebody dies. It, it's always there, but yeah. actually talking about it and coming to terms with that and understanding it, it, it makes it easier. It, I mean, it makes it enormously easier to, to handle. And I, I came out of this with, I had no relationship with Evelyn. I, I didn't think about him. I'd basically forgotten every single, almost all the positive memories that we shared together. I just remembered all the really difficult negative things because that's, I think the way the human mind works, that's what stays in your head. Yeah. And I came out of this and I had this relationship with, with my brother again. And I could remember all of the amazing times that we spent together. And, you know, so that. What a fabulous output of the whole process for you to reconnect with your brother. Yeah. There, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's been, it's been extraordinary. And of course it also brought us all together so much closer as a family too. And as a family, are you still talking today as, as the practice of engaging in conversation continued? Well, my family have been, so my sister's living in the, U, in the United States at the moment. And my brother is, is sort of split between here and, and Scotland. So, so we haven't, it's actually been a while since we've all been together, Yeah, but we did on the, this, the, 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 the anniversary after the walk of, of Evelyn's death, we went for a big walk all together, just the three of us together again. And we spent Amazing. the day talking about things and it was um, great. Well, yeah, like that's, I think that's great to hear because that was the first thing at the end of the film I thought is, has this catharsis created a trend in, um, in your life, which it sounds like it definitely has. So that's great to hear. Um, one of the most striking elements of the film for me, which I can't imagine um, you could have planned, are the people you meet along the way. Um, and without without spoiling any of the the film because if you've not seen it you should go away and watch it um you meet people who are literally walking the opposite direction from you throughout the trip and almost everybody has this um similar story uh to your story which in some ways makes your story feel super special because this act of walking is actually highlighting a lot of different um tragedies but in a kind of beautiful way, it means that your story is not special. It means that everybody's got these griefs and these tragedies that when asked, they're willing to talk about, but actually it takes it to pull it out of somebody. Um, could you talk a little bit about that process of meeting strangers? So I, um, I, you know, if I talk in filmic language for a second, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- this is basically a road trip movie right yeah uh i mean it's a documentary obviously but it but it very much fits into that sort of genre of 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 storytelling and the one of the key things of those sorts of films is you meet other people along along the way and i i remember having this conversation with with joanna when we were sort of planning the project i thought 
well, we, we can't, it's not, there's no guarantee we're going to meet strangers. Maybe we need to like, organize some yeah. people we know or, you know, mental health experts or whatever to, to bump into on the way. Not that we'd fake it, but we'd bump into them and walk with them. And, totally. And she said, I think we should just trust. We should just trust that we will meet people. Yeah. And, uh, and I was like, oh, okay, you sure? And she was like, yes, let's just, <laughs> let's just have faith. So, so anyway, I always thought if, it, if that doesn't work, we can plan it, you know, two weeks in. And, and Anyway, on day one, uh, it, it's not actually in the film, but on day one, we finished the walk. It was a really difficult walk and we stopped at this bar and um, the, the bar lady, you know, all the camera team were there and the bar lady said, what are you guys doing? And so I sort of, I was sheepish. I didn't really want to admit everything, but I sort of said, oh, well, we're doing this walk and memory of our brother and he, you know, he, he took his own life and she sort of froze. And then she said, oh, well, I'm, I'm, and this was in the North of Scotland. She was, she was clearly had a sort of accent from the, the South. And she said, yeah. oh, well, I'm, I've only been here for three months and I'm here because my brother took his own life and this is his bar. And we could, as a family, we couldn't face, wow. he'd worked here for 50 years or whatever. We couldn't face letting it go. So I've come to run it. And then we had this amazing conversation and then that happened most days because yeah. people would see the cameras and they'd say, what are you doing? And, and I think um, going back to, your, to your, your question, there's this really amazing thing that if you show vulnerability and emotional honesty with a stranger, yeah. anybody, it, it's almost this amazing invitation for them to, it's almost contagious yeah. that they, they, they will immediately share something. Their deep, story back. Their, their story back. And, it, and it's... I think two things come out of that. One is that almost everyone's going through some difficulty in their lives. Yeah. Because that's, I suppose, the human condition. But the other, the other thing is it, it was extraordinary just how many people we met who'd experienced or been touched by suicide. And I think yeah. that shows just how prevalent mental health problems and suicide actually is. When I launched Post Media and I was trying to pick what what show I wanted to kick off with. I had a few different options on the table, started speaking to potential guests for a few different shows and XY, which is the one we're doing now. Um, every, every man, gentleman, guy, every person that I spoke to wanted to share their story. There was this super strong reaction. Whereas I thought people might be a bit closeted to open up and be vulnerable, but it was almost as if by saying I wanted to shine a light on the vulnerability of young men, um, people were so eager to to share their story, which is kind of akin to what you've said in terms of meeting strangers, your vulnerability, um, unlock their vulnerability, which is super cool. cool. Well, I, th- I, I think if we, if we go back to, to uh, I, I think we feel better as people when we can talk openly. Yeah, completely. But, but you know, because, it, and, and we talked about this earlier, but, you know, the way society <laughs> brings up men or, or at least has done in the past yeah. at least at least for the last 50 years maybe um that it's not it's not a, it hasn't been safe to talk about that stuff because it's there's been a taboo to it almost yeah. and but actually it's a much nicer place to be when you can talk about it so we'll all be <laughs> we'll hopefully all be happier <laughs> and more open if if we can continue to have these sorts of conversations and get over this whatever it is that we've got yeah. um i've only got a couple more questions but one of the one of the things i really wanted to touch on was um you're if you are the subject of the film for me the hero of the film is your sister um I think she's such a brave and incredible human being and what was your you said for example with the white helmets you didn't cry at the end of the day you kind of boxed away emotion what was your modus operandi 
with regards to your mental health and the topic of mental health prior to your sister calling you and saying, I need to speak about Evelyn. What was your go-to in terms of that? Well, I, I didn't really think about it, if I'm honest. I, 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 for me, because I guess because of Evelyn and seeing what had happened to, you know, to my brother with, with having a mental health problem, it, it became mental health was basically anything to do with it was terrifying. Yeah. And my sister talks about it in the film, but I, I was exactly the same. If there was an article in the newspaper about the mental health problems, I just immediately skip past it. Yeah. Um, so I, I never really thought about it. I didn't really think about taking care of myself in any mm-hmm. way. And in some ways, I, I mean, I, I, you know, people have said, oh, they've looked at this film and then they've looked at the previous films that we've made and said, oh, well, it's so obvious that you just ran away to war zones and made films about other people's problems and that was a way to escape. I, I don't think that's the case. No. I don't think it's that clear cut. But I, I, would, I would probably say there was a, there is a sort of strange comfort in some ways about hiding behind other people's problems. Yeah. Because there's no space then to ever talk about your own because they feel insignificant. Totally. In the kind of films that we were making, people are going through the most traumatic things that you can even imagine. And then to to suddenly talk about your own problems just feels selfish in some ways. Completely. So I, I, I just never found myself in a position to ever have that conversation. There and also, I guess didn't feel I needed to in a weird way. Yeah. But I think I did. Well, I think, yeah, definitely. I think we all do. Um, but yeah, you are right. In terms of, for lack of a better word, priorities, if you're in Eastern Aleppo, your mental health is probably not the most pressing issue. It feels almost glib to say, I wonder what people's mental health is there, because how could it not be horrific? You know, they're in probably the most dangerous place on earth right now. So yeah, it's a, it's a good place to be if mental health is low down on the, the agenda of things to talk about. That said, really bizarrely, on the way here, I was flicking through Instagram um, and I got served an ad from the UN who are appealing for donations now to um, to support with mindfulness for um, kids and refugees, which is a super exciting thing to see, I think, because it's less about... Um, water, food, shelter, obviously absolute mandatories for humans to exist. But it was nice to see, especially coming here today, that they're now appealing for more um, psychological um, benefit for kids. Because I think that is such an important thing um, to be pushing as well. It's not just about getting these people shelter, it's about making them feel human again. Um, One other thing that I wanted to um, ask you while I've got you um, relates to the impact that the film's had. So what kind of impact do you feel that um, sharing Evelyn with the world has had? Well, I think we've been, we've been completely blown away by, by what, by what the film has, I I guess how the film has resonated with people. Um, So Joanna runs a company called Violet Films and they, as well as making films, they also specialise in um, devising impact campaigns for films, so that those films right. can go and go out into the world and try and and make a difference. Um, and we've been working with a number of fantastic partners from Calm, the Samaritans, who are, who are bigger organisations, through yeah. to small grassroots ones like Andy's Man Club, and um, and also the Ramblers, because of the walking. <laughs> Which is a great initiative, which yeah. I hadn't heard of until I saw Evelyn. <laughs> so, and um, we've been we've been doing a lot of screenings around the country. Um, and after some of the screenings, we've also been doing these walks where people can cool. kind of carry on the conversation, which has been extraordinary. Um, I, I suppose it's in some ways, you know, what, I think the things that 
that that have really stayed with me when people see this film it it's it sometimes creates an opportunity for them to talk about the things that they've bottled up and it might have nothing to do with mental health i think every family has things that they don't yeah they don't talk about um so that that's been extraordinary sometimes the q and a sessions of the film but almost become these sort of therapy sessions yeah, where yeah. people start sharing um we've we've been really um i mean the film was on the bbc 2 weeks ago or bbc 2 and we were in and completely inundated with with messages um and one and this was almost this was this wasn't an intended consequence of this film but we've kind of been shocked by how many people have written to us and said after watching the film i, I was before watching the film i was thinking of taking my own life and after watching the film i could never go through with it because i've seen the damage it does to a family and if you guys 13 years later are still so grief stricken from this yeah. I, I can't put that through my own fa- put my own family through that and I think that's the sad thing is when you get to a point where you're thinking of taking your own life you are you most people generally believe they are a burden on everybody and actually yeah. them leaving this world is, is a benefit is, is, is going to benefit and obviously that's completely not the case it's never, never. the case yeah. but um but that you know and it, so that that's been extraordinary that's I, I fantastic think, yeah it, it, it's been really emotional actually read, reading those those messages um i guess on a smaller level you know we, we always hoped the film would help break down the stigmas about talking about mental health and definitely anything around around suicide um and you know i we'd we'd like to to encourage anyone if you're worrying about somebody to to reach out to them because actually just getting in touch with someone at the right moment can yeah. can can save somebody's life but but also if you're feeling down then you should don't be afraid to talk, you know, yeah. just reach out to somebody and there's so many great organizations you can talk to. I've got one final question, which um, so far has been called cliche corner. That term may or may not make the final cut of these episodes. <laughs> okay. um, but if you could give your younger self one piece of advice, what, what would you go back and tell young Orlando? <clears throat> well, in, um, in the context of, I mean, there's probably a lot of things I could go and tell young Orlando, but, but in the context of this conversation, I would you know, we waited 13 years to have a conversation about our brother. I, th- those, that was such a, a terrible thing. I, I wish we'd have done this so much earlier. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it, we all got so much out of it and, um, and transformed us all in, 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 in so many ways that, that I, you know, the idea, if I was reliving it, the idea that I'd close that box for another 13 years would, is, 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 is too much to even think about. So I, my advice would be, I wish you'd have done that walk yeah. 10 years ago. Open up sooner. Okay, Orlando, thanks so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure catching up. Thank you so much. Brilliant, thank, thank you. You've been listening to Orlando Van Einsiedel on XY with me, Ewan Plater. I certainly hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I enjoyed making it. And if you're liking what you're hearing, then make sure to go rate and review us on wherever you get your podcasts. If you're new to XY, then I'd thoroughly suggest you go back and check out episode one with the amazing Jim Chapman. That's all there is for this week, but I hope to see you again soon. Bye for now.